What's up, everybody? This is 25 Stories I Made MLS. I'm Neetal Raman. And I'm Toodle Raman. And we are super excited to be working on this again during a very weird time. I think it's worth mentioning at time of recording, the world is kind of weird right now. It's, uh, it's coming down, like it's slowing down to a halt for all the good reasons in the world, which is people are in lockdown. Um, We've got to stay home. We're flattening the curve. We've got to flatten the curve of this uh, pandemic. Pandemic that's out here. I've been spending just a lot of time by myself with my dog. And my brother is going nuts because he's definitely extroverted. I am losing my mind. And I feel right at home. (laughs) (laughs) I am uh, playing Final Fantasy IX right now. It's turning 20 this year. I am losing my mind slowly. Um, I feel like it's like the... It feels like the time between Christmas and New Year's where you're like, I don't know what Which day it is. Which we've mentioned before on this podcast. <laughs> I don't know what day it is. <laughs> I've been in pajamas for like four days in a row. Uh, my dog, I think, is like fed up with me to a certain degree. <laughs> yeah, JJ is like, what are we doing? Yeah. Um, but listen, we have some exciting news, right? What is the exciting news? Uh, well, we only that's have five episodes. That's a huge open-ended question there. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, we only have five episodes left, right? Okay, yeah, Episode that is 21. Exciting. Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, we've been, while well, I've been losing my mind, we've been, we've been at work. And so we have, this one you're hearing, if you're hearing it today, is coming out on Monday. The next five are actually coming out five days in a row. So this entire one week. One a day. One a day. So if you are at home and you need podcast content, and you love the history of Major League Soccer. <laughs> we got you. We got you. Yeah. That's a population of like 2,000 people <laughs> in the entire country. But we got you. But we got you. We got you covered here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just in case you're listening to, this, listening to this from the future, year 25, already historic year because we had to push the season back. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's nuts. Hopefully it comes back. Um, I know the league right now is uh, halted for another month and a half or two months. Which but, uh, could be more. It could be more. I mean, they're doing the right thing. They're just, you know, whatever is the right thing to do for people. But Absolutely. Yeah. So we are talking about episode 21, and this one is MLS 3.0. Yeah. So let's take a step back, right? As we're coming to the end on this, on this series, right, um, there's been three or four phases of Major League Soccer. Let's call it four phases. Um, the first phase we'll call the beta phase. And the beta phase for MLS was from the first episode, 1984, mm-hmm. all the way to um, Uncle Phil's Ranch. And that, the definition of that time period is uncertainty. We don't know um, if, if the league is actually going to survive. Yeah. It has a lot of weird rules. They're experimenting. They're doing a lot of different things. Leagues, uh, teams are joining, teams are leaving. Like, it's very uncertain. Yeah. And I think in Uncle Phil's Ranch, they've kind of, the owners that were left basically double down. They're going to buy stadiums. They're going to build the infrastructure. And they're going to start Soccer United Marketing, which is building the base of the league. Right? Yeah. MLS 1.0 starts then. And that is all about slowly but surely building the infrastructure that's required. And that goes from 2001, 2002, all the way to 2008, which is MLS 2.0, which is the entrance of David Beckham, right, and designated players. So all of a sudden, it's not about necessarily 
um, the infrastructure, but now it's about getting top-end talent. Mm-hmm. And uh, that goes on for quite a few years. I think uh, another, call it seven, seven, yeah, seven years. About seven. Um, and you get, you know, really famous people to join the league. David Beckham. You got Thierry Henry. You T- got Kaká. You got, um, during that period, oh man, it's a whole, there's a whole bunch. Rafa Marquez came right. from Barcelona. Yeah. You have David Villa. Like, right. like a lot of really top-end players have joined the league, right? And, um, and the league has expanded. Mm-hmm. So at this point, we are at 20 teams. NYCFC just joined. This being 2015 2015, right? yeah. Okay. And NYCFC and Orlando just joined, mm-hmm. and um, and Chivas just left, right? Yeah, Chivas is out. So you're you're at a pretty good spot. And now, from a success standpoint, the league is doing pretty well, right? It's uh, it went from in 2008 to 16,000 a game, all the way up to 19,000 a game, right? On so average, yeah. On average, in attendance cl- uh, league wide. In 2015, um, if you look at total attendance, it was at 3.5 million in 20, uh, 2008. And then in 2015, it's around 6 million, right? Mm-hmm. So almost double, almost double. The one thing that's not growing as fast as they need is TV. It's always TV. It is, right? And, and it's important because they are looking forward to the next big TV contract, which is 2022. And they're like, is that a coincidence? Is that tied to uh, yeah, Qatar? The, yes, the World Cup. Yes. Yeah, so all of the TV contracts are usually tied with uh, Emma, uh, with the World Cup, just to maximize the popularity. So that changes like every four years ish. Um, no, I think every eight years. Eight. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And and so so the, they are looking forward to that. They're not seeing TV ratings, and TV ratings fundamentally is about broad relevance of mm-hmm. the league in the sports landscape, right? And um, because attendance is about, you know, getting people who are really excited to show up to the game. Uh, TV is like, I'm, I'm sort of into the league and I'm willing to put it on TV, right? And you need to get a lot more people like that. And so they did what a lot of companies do when they are having an like existential crisis or they're asking questions of themselves. Hire a consultancy. Hire a consulting yeah. group. Uh, so they hired Boston Consulting Group or BCG, which is mm-hmm. one of the main ones. And they were like, how do I gain more relevance? And BCG had a lot of kind of interesting findings. Like, uh, this is actually uncovered recently. The actual report itself was uncovered uh, by uh, the good writers at The Athletic. Um, mm-hmm. We'll link it at the end of the episode as well. Definitely worth the price of subscription just for this alone. Um, but in, this, in the report, there's some interesting things. Like, there's four teams just for its operations that are... are are um, profitable, right? There's only four? Four out of 20. Uh, LA Galaxy? Not LA Galaxy. They spend too much money oh, on players. Oh, yeah, they do spend too much money on players. Um, uh, next guess is TFC's. Way too much C- money on players. Oh, man, I'm just... I think they lost the most money. tanking on this one. Dallas? No, they're Academy. Seattle. Seattle, yes. Okay. I was gonna say oh, we did episodes on on all four of these, but I think we've done episodes on all the teams, so that doesn't. I think we've touched on a lot of teams. Yeah, yeah. So Seattle Sounders, uh, Portland Timbers. Oh, Timbers. Okay. Sporting Kansas City after the reinvention of Kansas City. I should have been able to guess that. Real Salt Lake is the last one. Okay. Right? Uh, and that's, that's a snapshot in 2015. Who knows what it is today? But at that time, these are the four teams that are profitable. The rest are not profitable. 
The really interesting thing is um, the uh, the consultants were like, hey, listen, soccer is actually gaining a lot in popularity. The difference is MLS is not getting its fair share of it. I could see that. Yeah. Right. I could see that. So because so, everyone's always interested with with EPL. Yep. Everyone's interested on you know UEFA Champions League. That's when I hear about people being excited. Obviously World Cups, um, and then Liga MX yep. is is probably more viewed than than MLS's. Both those are correct, right? So they actually quantified the share of soccer consumption, mm-hmm. and MLS only had twenty five percent. In, in in the United States. In the United States, right? So the number one league in the United States has 25% of soccer consumption. Mm-hmm. The number one is actually Liga Mekis, and then number two right there is EPL with Champions League. Wow. They're okay. like right, yeah. right next to each other, right? And so um, so the, the, pro, the kind of challenge that MLS has is not necessarily getting more people into soccer, which was like the first thing that they had to deal with in right. the beginning of the league. But at this point, it's different. It's a different At this case. point, it's convincing people who are going to consume soccer to consume mm-hmm. MLS instead of other things, right? And so what is the number one reason why this isn't happening? And so that, that's what the study said. Mm-hmm. And, the stu- and the study said the number one reason is quality of play. Okay, but all right. Well, how much of that is... <sighs> Of course, it's valid. It's coming from a consultant. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm, j- but I, I feel like some of it's perception. But it also depends what what point O we're talking about in MLS, right? Yeah, I, I, this is 2015, so like I think a lot of it is reality, right? So like, is the league as good as Liga MX or or EPL? No, no, no. But. 50% the last of, change in the last five years, but true. we'll get to that later. Yeah, this is how a last change in the last five years. 50% of MLS fans at that time mm-hmm. said that they believed that MLS wasn't good enough. They, were, they felt neutral or negative about the quality of play. Mm. So f- your own fans felt this way, right? And one of the things that they highlighted is like, if you actually compare the total spend of players, MLS is pretty close to some, some leagues in Europe, right? So they're pretty close to an average team in Turkey. You're pretty close to an average team in not not the top teams in in um, Netherlands, but like the average team in the Netherlands is pretty yeah. close to an average team in MLS in terms of spend. And so the difference is nearly forty percent of the entire salary was spent on the top three players of the team, the designated DBs, player, yeah, right. And so the actual quality of the entire squad that's playing, the eleven players on the field, was really disproportionate, right? So right, because you can't just have one, two, three players try to carry an entire team. That's not how it works. Yeah. Like not in soccer. They call soccer a um, weakest link sport, right? You're as good as the weakest yeah. link. Yeah. Other sports in... Because in, you can really exploit one position on the field. Yeah. The other, like, basketball is a strongest link sport where, like, a LeBron James can win you games, mm-hmm. right? And it hide weaknesses. The other weakest link sport I think we have is American football. Where, like, legitimately you need to have a great offensive line, not just Tom Brady. You need to have, like, everything, right? And so so having the players, and just to give you a level of context, right, an average designated player in Major League Soccer made about the same as the average player in EPL or Bundesliga. The average non-designated player 
made the same amount as the average player in Norway, the Norwegian league. These are really different levels, right? Yeah. And so when you have three players on the team and you're starting 11, that um, basically focuses on uh, the top, top, top uh, um, paid, but the other eight are not that well paid, that's when you're going to get differences in quality and play. Right. And so consultants, the consultants were basically saying, hey, we recommend that you increase the cap so more, more teams can invest on the middle of the roster. And as well as bringing the floor up too. And bringing the floor up. Yeah. Which MLS sort of listened to. They did it yeah, their own way, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. This is where they invented in 2015 the thing called targeted allocation money. Target allocation money or TAM, yeah, right? And this is the structure that pushes the league to MLS 3.0, mm. right? Um, again, with this goal of competing against the EPLs and League MX, League MX specifically because it's right here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's right you know, south of the border. It's shown on TV in primetime. It's beating you in ratings. And guess what? You have... Uh, tournaments that are already made up, like CONCACAF Champions League, where you can play the team and showcase your quality of play on the field. You can't really do that with EPL teams, right? Right. And so CCL becomes a bigger deal. Um, new tournaments like Campionas Cup um, is made. The MLS All-Star Team structure is redone to have actually... Which I'm super excited about. Yeah, where you're having the best players of MLS play the best players of League MX. That's yeah. all made to showcase the quality of play for MLS versus this benchmark, right? So that's the entire target. And the way to do that is actually to increase the spending on slots, say, four through eight, four through nine. And so that's what target allocation money is, TAM. So we talked about allocation money before, yes, we but have. as a refresher... And I'm sorry, we're going to enter math class a little bit. Of course, we have to, though. <laughs> we have, have to, though. The only way yeah. you can understand this is by understanding the math. MLS has a cap. The cap is a soft cap, but it's a cap. And so let's say the cap is $4 million. Okay. Okay. You are a player. You make $300,000. Okay. By paying you, my cap is now what? That would be a 3.7. Yeah, great. Nicely done. $3.7 million left in your cap, right? Now, if I have allocation money, if I have $100,000 worth of allocation money, I turn your $300,000 salary and the cap hit I get, not how much you make, but the actual cap hit I get, mm-hmm. by putting the 100000 is only 200000 Right. Making it 3.8 now. You have $3.8 million remaining. Yeah. It's basically a coupon. Yeah, because it's not like real, it's like theoretical money, right? It's like not like real money that like you're taking literally out of the bank. It's, 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 it's a theoretical. It's, it's allocation. It's allocation. It's literally what. Yeah it's, yeah, it's it's a coupon. It's a coupon. It doesn't mean the player gets less in money. No, the it's player like, is paid what the player is paid. Yeah. But the, we're talking about cap hits. Cap hits, right? And so that's what general allocation is. So if you understand that, it, it's always been there. But mm-hmm. like it's been given out in really small increments, so every year a team gets like a like a small amount. Mm-hmm. If you didn't make the playoffs, you got extra. That's for parity purposes, right? If you sold a player, you got allocation money. Or and if uh, MLS made some weird choices, yeah. If MLS forced you to make some weird choices, like, like a Freddie Adu has to be a DC, 
and uh, and you're FC Dallas and you have the first round pick and you have to give it up, then you probably got some allocation money, yeah. right? Yeah. And so those are the reasons to get it. It's not that common. I mean, it's common, but it's not like widespread, right? So targeted allocation money is allocation money. Mm-hmm. TAM is, but it's specific to build specifically the slots four through nine. And the way they do that is by limiting how you can use targeted allocation money, TAM. It's only for players that would make more than the max salary. Okay. And below a certain threshold. So if the max salary is... We talked about this with, I believe, Donovan at one point. Landon Donovan, right? So like 500,000. Yes. That's the time was... Right. So if you remember from the designated player episode, Mm -hmm. there was a max salary... A designated player rule means that you can actually pay them more than the max salary. Yes. But you only get charged the max salary amount, right? So if the max salary is five hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars and a player makes a million, before TAM, you likely gave that person a designated player slot. So you got charged five hundred thousand dollars, but the player made a million bucks. Now with target allocation money, you can use target allocation money to buy down that million dollars to below the max threshold so you don't have to use a designated player spot right i think it might be easier to talk about real people let's do it all right so david beckham designated player yeah six and a half million dollars which means if the the cap is four million the the salary cap hit is the max budget hit which is five hundred thousand which means you have 3.5 million left on salary cap but the rest of david david beckham's salary the six million that's left the LA Galaxy owners pay out of pocket. Yeah, not the league. Not the league. Yeah. Right? Before this rule, Kyle Beckerman, legend, um, real Salt Lake legend, in my definitely opinion. Definitely MLS Hall of Famer. Yeah, definitely MLS Hall of Famer. contributions to the league. A part of the Bradenton class that we talked about in he's this podcast. He's coming back. Yeah, he's, uh, he's incredible. Um, let's say he makes $650,000. Mm-hmm. It's above the $500,000. Only by one hundred fifty. Right. But before this rule... He would be a designated player, which means that the mm-hmm. cap hit would be five hundred thousand. You have three point five million left. The difference is Real Salt Lake is only paying one hundred fifty thousand dollars out of their pocket, right? But it still takes a DP slot. Now with target allocation money, if you have three hundred thousand dollars in target allocation money, you take just like we talked about, um, David. Uh, sorry, Kyle Beckerman's salary of six fifty. Mm-hmm. Put in that coupon of three hundred thousand. Yeah. Now the salary cap hit is three hundred fifty thousand. Right. Which is below the and it clears up a DP slot, and it clears up a DP slot. Right. So now Kyle Beckerman is no longer needs to be your top three player on your team. Probably is anyway. But like, so so really, Tam is focusing on on player slots from like four to something else, like, like four, like players number four to like eight or nine, or maybe yeah, less. Yeah, yeah. Depending on how much. So in year one in 2015, when they because your one, it, two, threes are DPS. Yes. And then the rest of your roster, like, what's that look like? Exactly. And so the first year, every team gets two hundred thousand dollars in target allocation money, which is not a lot, but it's probably enough to to upgrade one. Maybe buy down one player. Yeah. So yeah. now you've upgraded the number four slot, mm-hmm. right? Um, the following year, 2016, you're looking at um, eight hundred thousand dollars. Oh, wow. Okay. 2017, $1.2 million. Mm. 2018, $4 million. Jeez. Yeah. $4 million, of which the $2.8 million is what they call discretionary, which means that 
that is actually the owners pay for it, but it's used the same way and they can't trade it. But like whatever, those are side rules. But long story short, you're getting $4 million a year in target allocation money, which means now you you can upgrade slots four through eight, nine, right? Yeah. Um, and so this did a giant explosion in terms of how much money each club was spending on players. You get the, you have the same amount of players, right? You're yeah. spending more money on players. So to give you an example, in 2015, um, right when this rule started, um, the average MLS team paid for in salary and in transfer fees. So basically total player spend around $10 million a club. Yeah. By 2019, that went up to $17 million. Almost doubled. So yeah, increase of 70% in four years, right? And so like very much double-digit increases through this mechanism, right? The amount of, in 2019, the amount of millionaires in MLS, people who made over a million dollars a year, was 50. There was over 160 players that made over $500,000 a year, Hmm. right? In 2019. We talked about earlier in this podcast series, in 2008, before the uh, designated player rule, there were three players that made over $500,000. Yeah, that's it. Now it's over 160, right? So the, the upgrade in the quality of the league can't be overstated here, right? It's yeah. like a huge increase in quality by getting better players. Second weird thing that happens is that all this allocation money means that it's something that Teams can trade with each other. Right. So unlike in in Bundesliga, if Dortmund sells a player to Bayern Munich, right. they sell it for actual cash money. Yeah, like a crazy high transfer fee. and yeah. Right. Here in MLS, you can't really do that. You, in the past, you gave a player, you probably got another player in return. Or you got draft picks, which is a very American thing, right? Yeah. With allocation money, all of a sudden, you can trade a player not for cash, but for allocation money. For coupons. For coupons. Give them coupons. Right? Let's talk about like Darlington Nagby. When he was originally acquired by Atlanta United from Portland, mm-hmm. it was over a million dollars in allocation money. When yeah. Darlington Nagby left Atlanta United to go back to Columbus Crew, a million dollars in allocation money. Right? And so this became a form of currency within the league itself. So in 2017, I think there was around... Um, $8 million traded between teams. In 2018, it went up to $16 million traded uh, between Honestly, teams. I think it's a little bit more appealing than straight-up trade, player-for-player player trade. Yeah, yeah. Because then it's like, all right, cool, we got, this a million, we got this million bucks in allocation money. How many different players can we buy down on their contract, meaning we can get better players, not have them take up DP slots? Like, it is actually... I can see how it's making your players apart from your dp stars a higher quality player right and so this transactions that went back and forth mm-hmm. because every team has like four million dollars of allocation every year and you can trade up to 1.8 of it i mean there's a lot of back and forth you can do right and so the side effect to the side effect is now when you trade a player there's not really a limit of how much allocation you can get in return. I mean, there is, but not really. Like, Julian Gressel was just traded from Atlanta United yeah. to DC United for something close to a million dollars in allocation money, right? Right. If Julian Gressel was sold abroad, one, his value is probably way higher than a million bucks. So why didn't they just sell abroad? 
outside, let's take apart from the fact that I think Gressel wanted to stay in MLS. True. Yeah, right. he wanted to stay in the States. But assume he wanted to go to Germany. He was open to it. Yeah. Atlanta could be like, all right, I can sell you to Germany. Like probably three, four? Get three or four million dollars. So why okay. would I trade for a million dollars of allocation coupons? Be- I would assume because the league, if you, okay, we talked about this in the pod before. How much that club keeps. He's not a homegrown player. Right. Right? So, like, the club's not keeping whatever uh-huh. sale would be abroad. Yeah, back back then, I think it was 75% they would keep. I'm assuming that maybe 25% or 30% is usable money. Right. So, let's make the math really easy. Let's okay. say you could sell them to a Bundesliga club for $4 million. MLS takes uh, 25%, so that's a million. You're left with $3 million. Mm-hmm. Of that $3 million, the max you can use for allocation, again, back then, is $750,000. Okay. Right? Yeah. So that's the max. Everything else, the other... So you're saying there's, there's more of an incentive to trade within the league. Right. The other $2.25 million is cash that you can use to upgrade your facilities, upgrade the academy, but you can't spend it on players. But if you traded Gressel to DC United, you can a million dollars... All of that is you can use on players, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a negative, they call it a negative externality in business terms. But basically, the side effect of this rule is that it actually uh, incents you to trade within the league as opposed to selling. Yeah. Unless you're talking about like a lot, a lot of money, like on their own money, which will be another episode. Um, but for like that difference between 1 million inside the league versus 3 million outside of the league, sometimes, very often, it's probably worth better to actually trade within the league. All right, the last weird rule about target allocation money or TAM is that the league has veto rights on it, which means, again, the purpose of this is so clubs can upgrade slots four through eight on their roster. Originally, that means acquiring new players to upgrade, Mm -hmm. not necessarily to pay your current players more. So after the Sounders won uh, MLS Cup in 2016, they actually wanted to pay Stefan Fry, the goalkeeper, and Jovan Jones, more money. They want yeah. to resign, pay them more. They would have been targeted allocation money players because they would make eventually more than the uh, max salary, and they were willing to do it. The league said no. The league was like, listen, this is about upgrading slots and not necessarily paying your current players more. Mm, okay. Um, and so they said no. Now, with Stefan Fry, I think the league was like, hey, you're doing some shenanigans here. You're actually paying him more, but you're doing it so you actually get less of a salary cap hit. Ah, okay, um, so some finagling going on. I mean, who knows? Or that's how they're seeing it. Yeah, but okay. like uh, Jovan Jones legitimately just left the league. He left yeah, he went to, to Germany, right? He went to Germany, right? Yeah. And so the players actually didn't like it. Because if you think about the players' union, the players' union represents current players, not future players. Yeah. And so whenever there's money to be had, but that money can't be allocated freely towards your current players then obviously the players don't like it. So this last round, so ironically, that's the part of the rule that um, that got the rule killed. That was something that was negotiated with the CBA that just... That just out. happened in okay. 2020. Yeah. So the, the players basically negotiated, meaning we're going to get rid of this idea of targeted allocation money. We're just going to call it regular, just all of it. They kind of just condensed it to just general... Allocation. They can general. go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, in general, right? Yeah. And so, um, so more or less target allocation money is out of league, but the impact it made... Is, is permanent and is going on forever, right? All right. right. Moving forward in that the sheer amount of player spend 
has been really impactful. Um, it has changed the marketplace of MLS players within the league. Um, and, um, and fundamentally, it's helped us close that gap ever so slightly against Liga MX, right? Especially when you think about the top teams, the very top teams. Toronto FC, the team that took uh, uh, was penalty kicks away from winning CONCACAF Champions League, that we always talk about their designated players. We're talking about Bradley, Josie, Josie yeah. Jovinko. Yep. Great players. Obviously, you need those. Um, but they probably don't go where they want to go without Victor Vasquez, who's making a million dollars. In the old rule, they wouldn't be able to sign a Victor Vasquez. But with right, target allocation right, money, right. you buy down his contract to yeah. below that threshold. And now, all of a sudden, you have a few players, slots four through seven and eight, that are much better players than they were before. That makes you much more competitive. Now, in order to fully close that gap, you probably need to upgrade slots one through fourteen, <laughs> not mm-hmm. just not just uh, four through eight. But you can see how it's closing that gap against right. the Liga MX, and that's sort of the phase that we're in right now. This idea of catching up to Liga MX and improving the quality of play on the field, and that's MLS 3.0. That's how we got here, um, and that's where we are right now. Uh, what do you think needs to happen? For I mean, I guess you kind of said it. Like we have to get to a point where we can you can now focus on slots one through 14, right? Yeah. Because when you talk about, this is outside MLS stuff. This is just, you know, we touched about it in this episode already of like quality of play, right? And like, who does the average person pay attention to, even if they don't like soccer? Let's talk about that for a second. Like, like people will watch Brazil, the national team, having no connection to it. Just they just understand it's like this is this is what I've learned is the best, and what what do people say about Brazil's national team or Germany's national team or whatever is their second team they could probably field a second team as a World Cup team, right like mm-hmm. their substitutes and their reserves if they made the best team out of their substitutes and reserves, that in itself could be a competitive. World Cup team. Yeah. So how long do you think it would take for MLS to kind of open things up for its subs and, you know, youth and reserves to be competitive? Yeah, I mean, I think the target the target is League MX. Mm-hmm. Right? And let's use this recent CONCACAF Champions League as an example. Right. Joseph Martinez and Atlanta United, you could argue, is as good as any League MX striker. Or better. To be honest, I mean, transfer mark would have put him as actually better ranked than any league MX. Yes, and you can see how much it hurts for him to not be on the team because the replacement, if you're going to play a striker, which they didn't, but if you're going to play a striker, is Adam John. Yeah, who right? they didn't even put in. Yeah, they were just like, eh, we'll leave him on the bench for seventy-five minutes. That's how the league is structured, right? Yeah. You have incredibly really good players in your top three, but if that guy goes down. Your replacement for that player is probably well, well, well below what Liga MX's replacement is for their stuff. I guess my question is: Is MLS point a 4.0 going to be a matter of not having to rely on DPS? Like, oh yeah, MLS three. We don't get past 3.0 until we catch up. Until Liga we MX. catch up with uh, Liga yeah. MX, and that's about upgrading. I think all the way to slot 14. Um, how far are we? I don't know. It depends on how aggressive they want to be. I think there are some of the rules that they're implementing now probably gets them there. I think uh, to the point where they're probably the top, top teams of 
LAFC and LA United are not that far away, but like your middle of the pack teams are probably much farther away than from the middle of pack teams of Liga MX. So like um, we're still quite a distance, but I think you can. They showed in five years, to your point, mm-hmm. that they can close the gap pretty significantly if they're aggressive. And so I think, I think this entire era that we're in right now is about how aggressive they can get in terms of closing that gap. Because once you do that, once you show that an MLS team is good as a Liga MX team, you open up a lot of revenue. So much revenue, especially the TV. Yeah. A lot of popularity. And I think that's the, that's the target. Cool. So, yeah. as per usual, your sources. So, I think on this one, guys, like, this is, if there's any episode that we've done that leaned heavily on reporting from The Athletic, it's this one. Um, the first one is around that thing that we talked about in the actual episode itself, which is the uncovering of that 2016 report. Um, it was done by Paul Tenorio and uh, Pablo Mar for The Athletic called Inside the Confidential 2016 Study that provided the blueprint from MLS's modern era. Um, you also have MLS HQ denials of TAM contracts, frustrating front offices by Paul Tenorio, and then MLS rejected TAM offers to Jovan Jones and Stephen Fry by Jeremiah Oshan for Sounders at Heart. And then I also have a link to the actual rules of targeting allocation money if you kind of want to read the actual rules, even though they don't really exist anymore. And something for me, targeted allocation money is also known as TAM is no longer. That's been consumed by GAM, but DTAM <laughs> is still a thing. If, we, if you even knew that it was a thing, I certainly didn't. <laughs> We're not yep. gonna do a, we're not gonna do an episode on discretionary target allocation money, are we? Uh, no, no. That's this is the last episode. This is the of, headiest we're gonna get. <laughs> yeah, no. After this is gonna get like more fun and more stories. This All right. Is, no more finances. But yeah, as always, man, follow us. This is the last week of, of this kind of iteration of twenty five stories. So follow us at twenty five underscore stories. Tell your friends about it. Uh, rate and review us. Um, it's always gonna be appreciated. And then uh, keep a lookout for what we're doing for season two. Yeah. We'll catch you later, guys. Peace. Bye.